Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Really good Friday afternoon with you at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. I was going to do something really lame at the top. I still might do it at some point today, so I'm not going to spoil the idea. I, so, Richard's off today. I'm Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. You know what? Forget it. I'll tell you what it was. So, our de facto nickname for this group here when Richard's off is I don't know how we came up with it or the dream team and I was going to start the show by playing this ladies and gentlemen welcome to the main event than doing some kind of starting lineup, but I chickened out. I'm sorry for that. I was going to yeah. do it. I, I could not gather the intestinal fortitude. And I've never done PA announcing before, so it would have gone really, really poorly. Uh, so just be glad that I spared you of, of that embarrassment. I almost did it, thought about doing it, obviously had the song ready to go. Not going to. So yeah, Brian Scott Rippy, Brian, hey dad, welcome to the show. Glad to be with you, all of that stuff. It's Friday. Let's go. Let's get a little pep in our step. That would have been quite the entrance if Borky had just announced us. Yeah. I still might do it. See, see, our audience changes throughout the day. Obviously, people are getting in and out of their cars and in the office, leaving the office, whatever. Nah, you can't do it today, though. You can't. I might do it to start the 5 o'clock hour. I'm just saying. That's got to be something you got you to you gotta spring on us without any notice. I, I almost did it. I feel bad now. Now that I'm, uh, now that I kind of spoiled it, maybe I'll just have to wait a few more weeks and it, it gets off of everybody's mind. But um, yeah, it's good to be with you on this Friday afternoon. Rippy, you didn't sound like you had near as much energy as Hey Dad did. It's hard to match Hey Dad's energy sometimes. I'm getting there. I'm on Red Bull number two of the day. Well, well, <laughs> well will this help? What what is happening now? What is this? <laughs> oh, that what is a song. What did I mistake this for a couple weeks ago? Uh, call me maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what. Oh, what is a this video this song? Is it? What's this? What's this girl's name? Rebecca Black. That was this a heck the of a five minutes she had. This video on YouTube she it to 10. has 130 million views. Listen to this garbage. I blame uh, y'all for this. I blame uh, your generations. 
130 million views on YouTube. Now I'm jacked. (laughs) Oh, here we go. This is the best line. (laughs) Fun, 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 fun. Stop. Just hit a nail, hit a nail into my ear next time. So this music video, by the way, the best part. If you've never seen this, we might tweet it out just because. But there, there's a line in the song that says, "I see my friends. Which seat can I take?" And a car full of kids pulls up, and there's only one seat that she can that's open that she can actually take. Like, which seat can I take? The only one available, Rebecca. You know way too much about this song, Borky. You, I mean, people, you're, you're that like came out history. in his defense, like people like a thirty for thirty on this song. Well, when that video came out, people did pick that apart, and that was one of the main things. Because if I'm not mistaken, that's at the beginning of the video, and it's like, what do you mean? What seat are you taking? Like, there's one seatbelt left. <laughs> one seat that you can take. Hey, Dad, I can't believe you don't like this. I feel like I'm being I'm being attacked. <laughs> I, I've been triggered. Oh no! Hold on, this is better. What what it's not even a song. It's like it's like a badly done spoken word. Is she even singing? Make it oh my god. I would rather listen to the Ole Miss fight song on repeat than and, uh, one more second of that. And this rapper comes in too. I'm sure that oh, there's, just, oh I'm sure that's better. Uh, I'm yeah. sure that just skyrocketed his career. I can't believe you've never heard. I mean, you have young daughters, and you've never heard Rebecca yeah, Black's Friday. I, I have never heard that. No, I mean, I've, I've, I've probably heard it. It's been on in the background while I was doing something, but being subject subjected to it like that, like a means of torture, no, I've hey, not. This is a, a serious statement, not hyperbole. He has admitted it before. Richard Cross actually enjoys that song. Well, that says that says more he about him than the nature of the song. Which I guess 130 million so, so, views later. So is the plague. The plague was catchy. And we are, I mean, goodness gracious. We get this person every day. Every single day. 662 area code. Sports talk, slow news day. We'll get to it. Here's our rundown I mean, this afternoon. We've Ed. been on the air for six minutes. Give us a chance to start <laughs> warming up here. Show. Just trying to have a little fun on this Friday afternoon. So here's what we've got coming up for you this afternoon. A, a packed show for the next three hours. A lot to get to in the sports world. The basketball egg bowl, so to speak, is tomorrow. We'll break that down a couple of times this afternoon. Mississippi State's women had an uncomfortable win last night. The scoreboard tells you that... Uh, well, you know, you win by almost 10 points. It's fine, but it was close late, a tie game late. I think they were down They were down late. for a few minutes late in that game. Yeah. Ended up beating yeah. Georgia. Pretty good Georgia team that they beat last night. Ole Miss added a new staff member. We'll tell you who that is and uh, where he's coming from later on in the show. The Saints will begin their Super Bowl run this weekend, as do the rest of the playoffs. We'll break those games down, give you our picks on those games later up in the show. And on this day, we used to do those a lot. It's probably my fault we haven't done one lately. But and on this day in baseball, 1973, the DH was officially implemented in Major League Baseball. And we are still debating its existence to this day. We'll grade the offseason coaching hires and a whole lot more coming up your way 
today, this afternoon on the show at Sports Talk Mississippi. Of course, I'm Michael Borky and Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey with you. All joking aside with the song and all of that stuff, a loaded sports weekend, what are you guys most looking forward to? Is it and is it the, the playoffs or since we finally have meaningful basketball in the state of Mississippi beyond just the names on the uniforms, is that taking precedent for you? For for me, this weekend is about two games. Obviously, tomorrow, Mississippi State Ole Miss at the hump, and then on Sunday, completely locked into New Orleans Saints. For me, it's probably Rivers-Brady. I don't know why I'm so intrigued by that. It's like a kind of a blast from the past, right? Like, what was the, the last time they met was 06, 07, in the AFC title game when Rivers had the torn ACL. Um, so seeing them meet again in the AFC Championship, at, uh, not AFC Championship, divisional round, and, and still playing at that level at that age, you know, 12 years later is pretty cool. I will say this. It, I, I used to really enjoy Colin Cowherd. He's, he's, in fact, the reason why I developed such a passion for radio, because my college dorm room got eight channels, and there's no way my roommate and I could afford, uh, could afford the cable package that they were asking us to pay for, so we got eight channels. One of them was ESPNU, and every morning Cowherd was on. So I'm in journalism school, and I watch Cowherd every day, and I developed my love for radio. I wanted to be a, a beat reporter. I wanted to write. But because of him and watching him every day, I, I ended up wanting to do radio. Lately, I haven't agreed with him on basically everything, but today he had a, a monologue about how Brady is the lucky quarterback. And Phillip Rivers is the unlucky quarterback. Not from talent. They're both talented. He even acknowledges that Tom Brady's one of the greats. But if you flip situations, just flip their teams, put Rivers in New England and Brady in San Diego slash L.A., Rivers has five Super Bowls too, right? I mean, I don't know. I would lean yes. I I, I, I I would lean yes too. Are are we putting it all – so we're giving all the credit to – to Belichick? It's, it, well, part of that is no, saying how good both... Rivers has been. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just don't know. I mean, I, that's one of those questions to me. They're, they're, tough, they're tough to answer. I mean, you're, it probably is the case. You know, it's just, it's just how serendipity works sometimes. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, think about Rivers and his career, though. I mean, you know, he should have been a, a New York Giant. But that trade was was done yeah. by Eli Manning and all that. So I mean, how how different is Eli Manning's career if he goes to the Chargers? A lot we, of butterfly effect stuff happening there. We get a great one from Bill in Columbus. Our dad joke of the day: If you think swimming with dolphins is expensive, it is. By the way, swimming with <laughs> sharks cost me an arm and a leg. Hardy har har. Yeah, I love it. Send us your That's dad jokes about. if you got them. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Text us if you got a dad joke. We'd love to hear it. Basketball Egg Bowl. We will take our first look at that of the afternoon. Next, big game in Starkville for the first time in what feels like years in this matchup. We'll break it down next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, we asked you before the break to send us your dad jokes, and we read one. Bruce didn't like it. Bruce said, Dad joke, that was so corny you could shuck it. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Barry and Laurel says, remember when 
tire air was free, but now it's a dollar fifty. You want to know why? Inflation. Yes. Robin been eating Laffy Taffy and reading the rappers lately. <laughs> Robin Tupelo says Dad was sleeping late on a Saturday morning. Mom told him, "Honey, if you'll pour the juice and make toast, breakfast will be ready." He said, "Great. What's for breakfast?" She replied, "Toast and juice." That's something. That's something a mom, a wife would do right there. Get used to that, Borky. It's coming your way. And uh, the the last one before we get back to sports was, what do you call a lady with one leg shorter than the other? Eileen. I'm fist pumping while, while we're reading these. These are all fantastic. <laughs> if you got a dad joke, send them to us. Why not? It's a Friday. We're having fun. Laid back. Richard's not here, so we're going to have a really good time. 601-879-4395. That's a C Spire text line. C Spire does ask you, implores you not to text and drive. Be a part of the show, but be a part of the show safely. We did get a text from David in Oxford said, Basketball Egg Bowl sounds weird and doesn't sound cool. Let's call it the Egg Basket. Gonna be honest. It, oh, he threw the dad joke in there. Gonna be honest, I'm putting all my eggs on this basket. I agree with the first premise there. Egg Basketball Egg Bowl doesn't really work for me. Yeah, I called but, it Egg Skit Bowl years ago, oh, and maybe jokingly, of course, and you'll be shocked to learn that Richard made fun of me for the remainder of the show. <laughs> well, he should have. That was not good. The Egg Skit Bowl. No. Egg Skit Bowl. I can't, I can't come up with a, a good name, though. Yeah, there isn't one, and this game hasn't really warranted a title until now, and so that's the big thing here. Uh, this game tomorrow was... Is not just big because it's Ole Miss and Mississippi State. This game is big because both teams, based on resume, I, I, I know it's January, I know it's early January, but both teams are tournament teams right now, this day, if the season ended today. This game actually means something to both teams for the immediate future and then building a, a NCAA tournament resume for the first time in what feels like a decade this game and the outcome of this game has serious implications for both teams in it. Yeah, and and whoever wins this game is going to get to circle it in March and say, "Good win, resume win," right there. Especially, especially I think if it's Ole Miss, Ole Miss right now. I mean, they, they're going to put together two wins in the first, you know three games of conference play that are going to be as good as anybody else in the conference has right now at all. So, yeah, this is a, this is a big game for both teams. Uh, I think it's especially big for Mississippi State because the, the starting off 0 and 1 when you're when you're, you know, going through all this hype and everything we've talked about about how good this season was supposed to be, 0 and 2, the, the word is not unacceptable because it's not like Howland's going to get fired or anything, but you 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 really really cannot fall to zero and two in in this season. You need this win. You need to be able to, to beat your in state rival, who have shown that they are not going they are, they are not going to be down for long. Uh, you you need to get this win. Howland needs this win. So how much pressure would you say is on Ben Howland to win this game? It, it, like you said, zero and two is not going to kill him. Uh, it's certainly recoverable, and there's plenty of chances with how good the SEC is to build a resume and. Uh, the schedule will be good enough. The net will be fine as long as they take care of business. But uh, losing to Ole Miss and dropping to 0-2 in the league is not going to sit well in Starkville. So how much pressure is on him to win? I don't think there's any more pressure than any other game 
for Howland, just because that's not how he coaches and that's not how he reacts to things. He really is a one game at a time kind of guy. But that said, the fan base is going to feel the is going to put the pressure on him. If, if he were to lose this game, there's going to be a lot of sour faces, and you know, those faces will make themselves known by not showing up. That this is. This is the game that State needs to win to, to sort of reel everybody back into coming to the hump. Uh, you know, if they had, if they were two and zero after tomorrow, that they would that would be done. But they cannot afford that from a you know rest of the season standpoint. I, I don't think Hallen's under a lot of pressure or anything. Like I said, I don't think it, you know there's no hot seat or anything happening here. But this is a game Mississippi State needs to win just for perception purposes, if nothing else. Not to mention that it would be a good win to add to your NCAA resume. Amanda from Pike County says, by the way, why did the teddy bear refuse dessert? He was stuffed. Yeah, I knew that one. On the flip side, Rippy, there's zero pressure for Kermit Davis and Ole Miss to win this game. This is as much of a free shot as you can get on this schedule in this juncture of his tenure. Yeah, sure. And we talked to Kermit earlier today and you know he talked about how it's it's good for the rivalry in basketball in the state to have a game that's you know nationally televised CBS um which sounds like it's going to be a sellout or close to a sellout in a game of actual significance he even brought up the, you know the 2014 and 15 egg bowls where you know both teams were good and were actually playing for something meaningful and how that reflected well in the state but in a vacuum i mean it's it's january 11th it's the second game of the SEC season for State, the third for Ole Miss. I mean, either either way this game goes, like either team is going to survive, and, and particularly in Ole Miss's case, right? Like you look at this week, and obviously they want to win both games, but when you look at two ranked teams on the schedule, you're probably thinking, okay, if you get through this one-and-one, one, that's a good week. And, you know, Ole Miss got the big win, obviously, on Wednesday night against Auburn. So, yeah, you're right, it is kind of a free shot, right? I mean... But I think from State's perspective, too, like, I don't think it, obviously, with all the expectations, you, starting 0-2 is not ideally, but I don't think that's irrecoverable by, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, worse things have happened to good teams than starting 0-2 in league play. Yeah. And, and I, I, go ahead. I don't think it's irrecoverable, but I do think, just like I said, from a perception standpoint, this was supposed to be the year. And then not only are you 0-2, but now Ole Miss, who was predicted dead last, and you thought, they're not an issue. They're three and zero in the conference with two top fifteen wins in a week. That that just does that's not going to sit well with Mississippi State people. I guess that's fair, but I don't know. There's just so much season left. Like like have, like looking at it in that short term of window would I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. I well, think it, there's just so much. there. There's an element, Rippy, of this is the year that everybody everybody circled right. This is the year you you've got a veteran team. You have a legit. NBA big and Eric Holman that can step back and, and make shots from the outside. He is a modern day NBA big, and if you start zero and two while also losing to Ole Miss, who doesn't have a piece or the pieces that Mississippi State does, that will accentuate the the frustration for State basketball fans that they felt for for years now because this is supposed to be the year, and in this year you shouldn't be losing to Ole Miss in a rebuild with a new coach in year one. That's fair, and I certainly understand that side, but you're right. I guess, I mean, it feels like Ole Miss in some senses is playing with house money, and not in just this game, right? I mean, to, to like, it seems like going forward, it's kind of like, all right, let's just kind of see the ceiling for this team, because yeah. you know, th- there were virtually no expectations, right? I mean, they were pre- projected 14th out of 14 teams in the league. 
Um, I, I you know, I it, it seems pretty clear they're not going to finish there more than likely. So, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss is kind of looking at a glass to just kind of see what the ceiling actually is for this team. Yeah, I, I think with with Ole Miss for sure. I mean, right now, if they finish five hundred in the league, everybody's going to be thrilled with, with the progress that program is making. For Mississippi State, it's about you know. Are you finishing in the top three or four in the conference? Because that's where everybody thought you were going to be, and you thought you were going to have a chance at a, you know, three, four seed in the NCAA tournament. So the pressure's on state. The good news is it's at home. MSU has announced that it's going to be a sellout. I expect there to be a big crowd, and I think that crowd can carry Mississippi State in those key moments, sort of the way the Pavilion crowd carried Ole Miss when Auburn, you know, attempted to get that game closer. From what I was reading of your tweets, uh, Rippy, it seemed like the crowd did a great job of, of carrying the Rebels in that game. I think the same thing's going to happen tomorrow, uh, and the Bulldog crowd will carry the Mississippi State. Josh and Laurel says, did you get a haircut? No, I get them all cut. Boom. Corny dad joke of the day. Why did the football coach go to the bank to get his quarterback? What did the doctor say to the invisible man? I'm sorry, I can't see you today. (laughs) Dad jokes, send them 601-879-4395. We will continue talking about uh, the basketball Egg Bowl next matchups and and stuff like that. Uh, Atmosphere. By the the way, the game did sell out. I saw Joel Coleman, a friend of the show, co-host of the Thunder and Lightning podcast with Brian Haydad. Uh, the, The game did sell out, and I almost tweeted quoted it and said thanks rebels mississippi state sells out basketball game don't do it <laughs> don't do that uh, headlines from our uh, yeah headlines from from back in the day but i don't know how many people would have gotten that reference i would have don't do it and john and hurley's correcting my grammar i said accentuate not accentuate you guys don't miss a beat do you that's for sure uh, tough well, crowd today seriously We'll continue talking basketball, Egg Bowl, next. Um, A story from Alabama that I think you're going to want to hear if you've been involved at all in high school or amateur athletics. We'll get into the NFL playoffs, all that stuff coming up at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Rolling right along on this Friday afternoon at Sports Talk, Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. Continuing on with our basketball egg bowl version or whatever preview, and Rhino, the producer of the JT show, sends us a uh, hard boiled on the hardwood name for we the got, game. Tomorrow. We got to get away from the egg on this one. The egg is is so football centric. We got to find something. We got to go another way. A friend of the show, Cole Kublik, when. Auburn and Alabama play basketball, and anybody mm-hmm. references the Iron Bowl of basketball, he he goes crazy. Yeah, he hates it because the Iron Bowl is a football game, just like the Egg Bowl is a football game. But yeah, I like the egg especially because the egg. I mean, that it's referring to a football. That's the trophy is yeah, a football it, that looks like an egg, but it doesn't look like one anymore. I'm just saying. If you have a name that's better than Eggskitball, let us know. <laughs> Which means if you have a name, let us know. <laughs> Literally anything else other than that. Uh, hardboiled on the hardwood's pretty good, though. Even though Hey Dad wants us to get away from the uh, the egg theme. Yeah. Casey asks, we said it was a sellout, but asking about attendance prediction. So do you expect butts in seats everywhere? Yeah, I, I do. I think I think we'll be close to 10,000 for this one, if not over. 
you know, Saturday at noon means you can leave. You know, if you live a few hours away, you can you can get to Starkville and be home. You know, before dinner time, basically. I, I think I think it'll be a, a good crowd. Corey in Cleveland says, "What do you call a guy with a, a rubber toe?" I know the answer. to Roberto. This. What a great dad joke. <laughs> That's high quality. Dad joke Friday. That's a new thing that we're probably only going to do once. But um, who has the advantage? We'll, we'll look at matchups. So down down low first. Uh, I said before the break that Mississippi State has a true NBA caliber big in Eric Holman. Uh, I mean, he's what is he six ten? He can move, yeah. but he can step back and make shots. Right. So presumably Mississippi State has the advantage down low, especially when you consider Ole Miss on the other side. Uh, requires a lot from a couple of true freshmen and a couple of guys that are limited in one way or the other as their rotation of bigs. The problem with what you said is you said that Holman is a true NBA big, right? And that's what the NBA wants is those big guys who can get out in space and take shots on the perimeter. But in the college game, I mean, he's a little lacking, and we saw that on uh, Tuesday night as South Carolina's big, Silva and and Kotsar, were able to really dominate that game. And Holman and Adu, who... They, they provided offense, but they weren't able to provide defensively. They weren't able to provide as much rebounding as you would like. So, for, you know, that's a concern for Mississippi State, and it's something that Ben Hallen addressed when he spoke to the media earlier today. You, know, it, you, can't, you can't expect to win when you get out-rebounded. You know, it's, 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 it's tough to win when you're not hitting the boards and winning that battle. So, for MSU, though, you know, Holman, uh, Adu, and then Reggie Perry coming off the bench, those guys have had to step up and, and provide a little bit more on, on, the, uh, on the boards. Rippy, he's limited, but... Olmus is getting, I mean, really solid minutes out of Dominic Olenicek, their seven footer. Uh, last year was, I mean, there's no way around it. Last year he was he was pretty bad uh, in in his playing time there, but has at least progressed into somebody that's, I mean, got a role and he, he's done well in that role. Yeah, he has, and he was not good last year, and still, and feel, sometimes catches flack this year because he. When they get into these games with quicker players and, and it's more about athleticism, it, it, he kind of looks lost sometimes on the offensive end, but he's a decent rim protector and he doesn't shoot very often, but he's usually pretty efficient with the shots that he takes. Like he only took two shots against Auburn, was one of two, pulled some rebounds, altered some shots at the rim, was four of six against Vanderbilt, had a couple of rebounds. So yeah, I mean, I, I would, as I said the other night, he played good against Auburn, but Vanderbilt to me felt like the way he played was kind of the baseline for what, like if he gets that level of player higher, they'll have a chance in most games they play. And he's become, he's really in some ways, it's, it, he's kind of an invaluable piece for certain stretches because he is a big rim protector and defensively he hedges screens and does other things with his size that, that Ole Miss doesn't really have in Bruce Stevens. And that's not necessarily a knock on Bruce Stevens. He's a better offensive player, but, but he, he gives them something defensively that they don't otherwise have. And then for down the, the stretch, making free throws for, yeah. I mean, for a big guy like him, he's going to get hacked some. And, and when you do, you've got to make your shots. And with the exception of a couple of late misses that didn't matter in the Auburn game, he made some pretty clutch free throws in a time of need. So they're, I mean, he's limited, as you said, but they're they're getting the most out of him right now, and it's probably why they won their last two games. Yeah, yeah for certainly. me, the matchup in this game that I'm I'm really paying attention to. Sorry to cut you off, Rippy, but is, oh, no, is no, who's guarding good. who's guarding Brian Tyree? And to me, I think that's going to fall to Nick Weatherspoon, who I this think this guard matchup. Best. I mean, is yeah. is it's at big. an elite level across the yeah. board. Yeah, Tyree Davis and Schuler. 
for Ole Miss and then for Mississippi State, you know, Weatherspoon, Weatherspoon, and Peters. I mean, that's that's six really good guards uh, going at each other on on Saturday. I think, like I said, with Tyree. Uh, and, and Rippy brought this up in that interview that you can listen to at supertalk.fm. That you know he's had some big games against Mississippi State. He really led their comeback a season ago in the Pavilion when State had that game look like it in hand, and, and Ole Miss just snatched it away from them. So Nick Weatherspoon's got to be the guy who 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 stays in front of him and keeps him, you know, from from getting to the basket. Uh, Rippy mentioned that that you know he's been so much better now that they've taken him out of that point guard position and letting him play off the ball. Nick Weatherspoon's got to do his best to lock him up, and then on the other side. You know, can you stay in front of Lamar Peters? Can you keep him from from getting to the basket? If if Ole Miss has a guy who can do that, that's that's going to frustrate him. That's going to be a, a big plus for the Rebels. But my guess is because I don't think most teams in the country have that guy that, that that they don't. Brad says talking about Mississippi State on Tuesday, we had careless tur- turnovers, didn't play hard, and he puts in parentheses giving up offensive rebounds and shot 50% from the free throw line. If one of those things doesn't happen, they beat South Carolina by double digits. He continues, to win Saturday, you have to pass, to beat that 1-3-1 zone, and don't be like Auburn and settle for threes all night, especially early. He thinks that Ole Miss doesn't have anybody that can stay in front of Lamar, and he needs to be driving and dishing all game. And yeah, he's kind of settled for these... Easy, easy to take, but bad look threes, and and kind of gotten himself into a couple holes. So if he starts driving and dishing rather than settling for for bad shot selection threes, then uh, that could be an issue for Ole Miss. Yeah, Rippy said on, on, in that interview that Ole Miss values possession. MSU has to do the same thing. They can't come down and just hack up a three. You know, ten seconds into into the uh, shot clock. They've got to, they've got to pass. They've got to find some guys to, to cut and get to the basket. Try to work the ball, you know, outside in because that, you know, that's how they want to play. They want to shoot the three pointer first. They're a good three point shooting team, so you know if those shots are falling, it's going to be difficult for Ole Miss to win. But if they aren't falling and State doesn't, you know, do what they have to do to get ball, you know, get better shots, which is what they did against BYU, then then it, it could be a long day for Mississippi State. Bruce wants to call it the Golden Ball Clash. Said you say the golden ball, I think of the high school state championships. Get a dad joke here from Kip. Ham sandwich. Ham sandwich walks into a bar and orders a beer. Ham sandwich. Bartender tells him, "Sorry, we don't serve food here." That's a good joke. Got a basketball, uh, egg bowl, eggskitball reference here from Charlie in a dad joke. What does Brian say to the land shark when the Rebs beat State Saturday? Hey, Dad. <laughs> Uh, John from Hurley says that uh, Dom plays more than Bruce Stevens because Dom gives better effort defensively. Yeah, he does. And you saw them go back. I don't know about better effort. I think he's just better and more sound defensively than Bruce is at this point. And that was kind of the same case last year. Bruce was just much better offensively. And But, yeah, I mean, there there is something to that. And you kind of saw that at the beginning of the season – switch back and forth in terms of who is starting. You know, Kermit keeps a point system in practice and they really go off that, particularly early in the year for for who starts and, and who earns one of those starting five positions. And they'd go back and forth and Dom would have some better games and, and, and a lot of that when Dom was starting it was because of things that happened on the defensive end with regards to Bruce. So yeah, there's definitely certain certainly some truth to that. Gary and Meridian says the team that has the least number of turnovers and most assists will win the game. Assist-to-turnover ratio, he's a Mississippi State fan, for Mississippi State must be 2-1, to one, in his yeah. opinion, if Mississippi State's going to win. 
That's probably pretty accurate. I mean, State you know turned the ball over too much against South Carolina, and you, you saw where it took them. So you know, State's at its best when Peters is is attacking, finding guys like Nick Weatherspoon, Quindary Weatherspoon, and Tyson Carter for, and, and Holman for threes, and then you know later in the game he can come back and, and hit his own shots as well. So you know, Peters is the key for Mississippi State. If State's going to win, he has to he has to show up and deliver tomorrow. And there's a key. I mean, Terrence Davis. Staying out of foul trouble, he can't have the game that he had in Nashville and them win in Starfield tomorrow. He's got to, to stay under control, play within himself, and not spend time on the bench due to foul trouble because I don't think you're going to be able to beat Mississippi State the way you did Vanderbilt with one of your two best scorers sitting on the bench for most of the half. Tyree can't carry this team and win in Starkville. It's got to be a combination effort from Ole Miss's guards. It is, and it, more so than anything, it's 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 a lack of depth. Like when he sits on the bench, it really puts a wrench in your rotation. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't think they can afford to have him sit for that that extended period of time, like he did in Nashville for most of the first half, and then part of the second half, he had to play the last four, you know eight minutes with four four fouls. So, yeah, certainly correct on that one. We'll put that on hold for now. We'll get uh, back into the basketball game tomorrow later on in the show we're going to turn the page to uh, Mississippi State women getting a win last night a story from Alabama on the women's basketball front that I think you need to hear and then we'll get into some NFL playoff talk that's all coming up at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio a couple more dad jokes for you before we get into Mississippi State women with their win last night and that story from Alabama I promised you George in West Point says a skeleton walks into a bar orders a beer and a mop. I mean, it's I get that did it. nothing for you guys. It's funny. That was my favorite one so far. Why do cannibals eat clowns? I know Somebody from uh, Johnny from the six hundred one. Why do cannibals eat clowns? Because they taste funny. Wouldn't that be a reason the, not to eat them? Yeah, you 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 got that one wrong, Rip Borky. It's it's why don't cannibals eat clowns? Oh, I think I just read it incorrectly, guys. You did, yeah. Uh, I'm playing. Maybe I sh- I'm here. the only dad on this yeah. show. Shouldn't I be reading these jokes? <laughs> you don't know how to deliver them. You don't. You don't have the the, the comedic timing that comes with child child parentage. I've been accused of being a lot of things. Funny is not one of them. So That's I don't true. really understand what comedic timing is. Yeah, I get you. I mean, I guess Rippy is old enough to be your son too, though. Oh. I would be proud of him, though. He's, he's done well for himself. Better than most, I guess, until yeah. you talk to him for a little while. The resume looks good, and then you meet him, and it's like, oh, what is wrong with this kid? He's, he's better than Ben Garrett. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right, hey, Dad, Mississippi State women get a win last night. They were losing late to a, a good Georgia team, ended up pulling away a win. So what happened? Yeah, about five minutes left to go in that game. I, I was looking around like, they're going to lose this game, and, and then – it, it just snapped. Something just changed. Uh, Vic Schaefer calls a timeout, I think, at the 448 mark. At that point, uh, Georgia is shooting about 65% for the game, and they're 5 of 7 in the fourth quarter. They missed their final 10 shots. MSU finishes the game on a 15-3 to run and turns a three-point deficit into a nine-point win. Just It was really weird how quickly it turned. And you could feel it. A state hit a shot to cut the lead to one, and immediately the crowd knew that MSU was going to win the game. And from that point on, Georgia, you know, who had been making shot after shot, had shot at a ridiculous pace, 
simply could not find the basket anymore. It's like they ran out of gas uh, just short of the finish line, and MSU uh, did what they had to do. Uh, 24 points from Chloe Bibby. Uh, Tierra McCowan, who I, 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 this is one of those things. You know you're elite. You know you're one of the best when people are saying, boy, I don't know, she just doesn't look engaged, and she's just not playing as well as she could. She had 18 and 22. <laughs> That's an off night. That's an off she's night incredible. for Tierra McCowan. So, uh, also she's the Jordan number Danbury. one college prospect. I mean, you know, looking way ahead when the season ends, but isn't she yeah. the, the number one college prospect? In Projected the to be the number one pick in the WNBA draft, and that will team her up with Asia Wilson, who was so dominant for uh, South Carolina all those years. So I, I that franchise, I think the Las Vegas Aces, they they should be about to take off and be the dominant franchise in that sport uh, for a couple of years. So yeah, State had you know didn't get much out of the bench. It was all on the starters last night. Only one point from the bench. It's funny to watch. You know, MSU's men only get two points from the bench. They lose. MSU's women only get one point from the bench, but they win. It's it's just funny how that works sometimes. But you know, Vic Schaefer said that you know he didn't like the way his team defended last night. He didn't like some things they were doing, but it was enough to to grind out a win against, like you mentioned, Georgia, pretty good team. And then what's next for them? Uh, Monday they travel to Auburn, and uh, you know that Auburn, another good team. There's a lot of parity in the SEC. Next home game will be the interesting one. That's when South Carolina returns to Humphrey Coliseum for the first time since last year, when the Bulldogs finally were able to knock off the Gamecocks in that sellout crowd, huge crowd that State had a year ago. I expect it to be another big crowd uh, for that game as well, uh, and that that'll you know that'll be a good point, good testing point for the Bulldogs because right now. Looking at the women's league side of things, I don't know who the second best team is. I think State's the best team, but you know, Kentucky went to Tennessee and won last night. South Carolina is good, but they're not what they were a season ago. Missouri is pretty good, but I don't know who the second best team is. I think it's South Carolina. So if State can beat them next Monday, uh, that will be a, a a big feather in their cap. This next dad joke. By the way, if you want to send us a dad joke, it's Dad Joke Friday. 601-879-4395. We've been getting dad jokes so far for the entire show. I love it. Uh, this one is going to test whether or not you actually paid attention in school. A proton, a neutron, and an electron walk into a bar. The neutron orders a beer and asks the bartender how much. The bartender says, for you, no charge. It's a physics joke. Isn't that chemistry? Why do you? Why do you? It's why science, you, man. Just call it science. Why are you the way that you done. are, Rippy? Why? Why you gotta be well, actually, guy over there? <laughs> Why's it gotta be that way? I was just showing how much I paid attention in school. I'll tell you, what, I'll give you that. Proud of you. <laughs> My uh, teachers would tell you otherwise. <laughs> why did the can crusher quit his job? Because it was so depressing. So depressing. Worked a pun and a dad joke all in one thing. That's impressive. That's from That's the, the 601. The rare no double whammy. Yeah. 601-879-4395. Send us those dad jokes. I promise we'll get... This story, I think, is important. Because if you've ever been involved in youth sports or high school athletics or amateur athletics, um, this probably doesn't surprise you, even though it's a story that's kind of swept the, the basketball nation. Uh, just one state over in Alabama. We'll tell you the latest developments on that story, uh, what it is if you've missed it, and then we'll get into the NFL playoffs. All of that coming up next at the top of the hour at Sports Talk Mississippi. Borky and the Bryans with you this afternoon. Stick around. So this is a story. Uh, Richard brought it up earlier in the week. We have a development today in case you, you have missed it. 
A young lady named Maori Davenport is a high school basketball player in the state of Alabama. She's committed to play for Rutgers as one of the better high school basketball players in the country. Because of that, she got to represent her country and played for the under-18 Team USA team. An incredible honor. Playing for your country has got to be the coolest thing that you can do. Wearing USA across your chest, it I, I couldn't imagine. I, I get pride when I go watch USA soccer as a fan. I couldn't imagine being able to represent the team as a player. Those players get a stipend, an expense check, basically to, to cover the cost of being on the team for however long they're on the team, over a few months. Her check was for just over $800 she received for being on Team USA. Her family received the check, and they got it on a clerical error from USA Basketball, who's trying and fighting alongside of her to rectify this situation. Her family cashed the check. Once the error was known and understood, they gave all of the money back, every cent. The entire cost of the check was returned to USA Basketball. Doesn't matter. The high school association in the state of Alabama has ruled her ineligible for her senior year. Fast forward to today, they filed a lawsuit to try to get her eligible against the Alabama Association of High School Sports, I believe. A judge has granted a restraining order on that suspension. However, most legal experts seem to believe that that is just temporary. She's going to play in her team's game tonight, but that is a temporary thing and that the law is actually on the Alabama Association of High School Sports' side. And because she did technically, even though she gave the money back, break the amateurism rule and cash that check, she is banned from playing her senior year of high school basketball, despite returning every cent of that check back. She can play tonight, but it doesn't sound like that is going to last for a very long time. And I don't know if... if, I know both of you have been associated with youth sports in some way or in another. This situation is why youth sports bothers so many people it is everything that is wrong with amateur athletics right here and it's one person making the decision one one guy can't look at this situation on its surface and make a common sense decision instead this young lady who did everything right who got to represent her country and they won a gold medal by the way in mexico city where the under 18 games were she won a gold medal for her country can't play her senior year of high school basketball because one guy decides she can't. I think you nailed it with the. uh, I think. Well, sorry, hey dad. I think you, but I think you nailed it with the common sense. Like usually in situations like this that arise, there's usually some gigantic piece of common sense just missing from it. And in this point, in this case, it almost seems malicious, right? Because you never. I mean, she didn't benefit from this at all, and you're taking away her senior year just... I don't even really know why. It feels like they're dug in at this point. Like th- th- Now they, they've they taken have, so much criticism that they're just, oh, well, now we're definitely not going to do it. Yeah, they have ruled it. against her twice now. Yeah, and so despite they, the fact that every college basketball coach in the country... Every, you know, the, tons of media people have come out in support and say, you, you, got, you know, nobody was harmed by this. And so this is one of those things where there needs to be somebody who works for the organization saying, is, is, is it really worth it at this point? What are we protecting? What are we upholding here? 
What's going to happen? You know, do you really think this is going to turn into, oh, well, now, you know, they're going to start funneling money to recruits? First off, A, already happening, but B, what, 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 what are we gaining from this? Oh, is the bad publicity worth the principle at this point? And the principle is flawed as it is. So I, I don't know what the AHSAA is doing, but it's not working. And it's, it's going to, you know, it's going to continue to get worse for them. Jerry and Tupelo says he spent 29 years coaching in Alabama, and over those years, the AHSAA ruled several athletes ineligible for various reasons. And some of those times, a, a local judge or politician would rule in favor of the school or athlete, only to have every one of those local rulings overturned by the Alabama Supreme Court. Precedent has been set, and it would be shocking for her to regain eligibility this year. This comes from Jerry and Tupelo who spent almost three decades coaching in that state. And I I haven't been to Mississippi very long. Well, I guess I kind of have now. I'm going on nine years um, living in the state of Mississippi. I have not seen anything this ridiculous, but if you've ever been in new sports long enough, you see things like this happen all the time. You want to know how you can get her eligible? I, 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 there's an easy path to it for her. you got to get Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn to say something. If those two guys say something and come out in support of her, that will change tomorrow. Isn't it funny how that works? But, I mean, you've had guys like Jay Billis. I mean, yeah. talk to the director. His name is Steve Savarese, if I'm saying his name correctly. Yeah. Speak to him personally. I mean, this story has been on ESPN multiple times. Uh, you've had NBA players speak out against this, and, and they have just dug their heels in and are Charles not Barkley letting this would be another one. Charles Barkley coming out in support of this girl would be big. Bo Jackson. You got to get get the, the the big dogs in Alabama behind. If if Nick Saban released a statement saying I think the AHSAA is wrong and they should change this, they would change it within the hour. I'm not usually like I usually think when Jay Billis gets like his head stuck on something, sometimes he goes over the top. But he has been all over this for a while now, and I think it. I don't know how much it's helped, but it seems like that's helped spread awareness pretty, pretty far and wide. Yeah, he does go over the top, but in this case, I mean I mean a, a young a young girl, a high school senior can't play her senior year because she represented her country and won an international gold medal. It's really what this comes down to. And even though this this judge issued some kind of restraining order and you legal guys listening are I I know I'm getting the terminology wrong, but a, a local judge has issued a restraining order, but I, I did read some legal analysis guys that cover the legal side of sports that said that basically it's it's helping for now, but in the long term, it's not going to make a difference. It's it's just a temporary thing to to try to to save her eligibility, but it's not going to work out because as Jerry told us on the text line, precedent is not on her side, and it's just an absolute shame that we have people in power that can't take any kind of common sense approach to something like this. And I know it's not Mississippi, but it is one state over. And uh, and eventually something could happen like that here. It happened in South Carolina when I was growing up. It, it, it happens everywhere. And something has to be done across the board in youth sports. Because every time there's a problem in high school sports or whatever, it's never the kids. It's always some person of power injecting their power into a situation where it doesn't belong. And I, I just hate that this is happening to this young girl one state over from us. Hopefully they get it right. 
She can't play her senior year because she accepted a check for over $800 and returned every cent when they found out it wasn't allowed. It's a shame. It's just an absolute shame. NFL playoffs next. We'll break those down, give you a look at the schedule this weekend, who we think is going to win, all that good stuff. We'll break down the NFL next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi. One more thing on this Alabama High School basketball player before we move on. We get a texture that says, although I agree that girls should be allowed to play, please don't say because some well-known sports figures think it should be okay. Then the law needs to be changed. I, I think you, you misheard what Haydad was saying. He was saying that prominent sports figures that have influence in the state of Alabama should speak out against this to apply pressure to specifically the one guy involved, but apply pressure to the, the powers that be governing high school sports in that state to allow her to play her senior year and make some kind of adjusting to the rule that's currently in place. He wasn't saying that, well, Nick Saban thinks it's okay, therefore I'm good. It was getting somebody, a figure like that in that state to expose this situation and apply more pressure on the people to get this right. He wasn't saying he thinks it's right because a powerful figure would. He's saying it is, the, the situation is wrong and you can help make it right by using people with power in the sports world in that state. Right. I mean, sports figures have power in the South. They just do. Mm-hmm. And something needs to be done because this is just, I mean, it's just pathetic uh, what is happening to this poor girl. But uh, we will put that to bed for now, and we'll update you if, if there's any changes. But for right now, she does have a game tonight, and for the time being, she will get to play uh, in that game. But uh, we'll move on to the NFL here. We have playoffs this weekend, four games. The Saints, Mississippi's favorite team, at least most of Mississippi's favorite team, uh, gets underway as well as Dallas and Dak Prescott. Uh, Here are the games. Here's the schedule this weekend. First game on Saturday, tomorrow. So right after you're done watching Ole Miss and Mississippi State basketball, you can just flip the channel right into NFL at 3.30. The Colts will go to the Chiefs. Might be the most fun game to watch of the weekend, the nightcap is Dak Prescott and the Cowboys at the L.A. Rams. So let's stick with those two games for now. We'll get into Sunday's games after that. The amount of people that are flying from Dallas to Los Angeles today will blow your mind. If you think that this is going to be some hostile environment or even a road environment outside of location, Dak Prescott is walking into what will be, at worst, a bowl game 50-50 environment. That place yeah. will be filled with Cowboys fans. Yeah, I mean, that area of the country. I mean, you're, you're just going to have that, you know. And it's just an easy flight. I think we talked about it maybe earlier, but there, there was a tweet that when the uh, when it looked like the Bears were going to win and it was going to be Cowboys Saints and Bears Rams, the tickets were. It was a lot more expensive to go see the Cowboys Saints game. As soon as that field goal was deflected and bounced off of all the uprights. Within 10 minutes, those prices had flipped, and it was a lot more expensive to go see the It's the Cowboys. The Cowboys yes, are, you know, you said the Saints are Mississippi's favorite team. I don't know if that's true or not. I think, the, you know, the Cowboys have always been strong in this state, and then Dak Prescott added a lot of new fans for them. Um, Saints, it's probably between those two for, you know. For, yeah, we for ran whoever's. a poll, if you remember, back in August, and it was Saints, Cowboys, uh, I think we put Titans in there, and then other. And Saints and the Cowboys, uh, on our scientific Twitter poll, were virtually equal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, I mean, Dak moves the needle for a lot of people. And like I said, the Cowboys were big before Dak got there in, in this state. I know a ton of Cowboy fans. So 
I'll be honest with you, uh, guys. I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. I think the Cowboys are playing very confident football. They're very good defensively. They can slow down that Rams offense. And, and you know, we'll see what happens with Dak. If he, you know, I don't think the moment's, I don't think the moment's going to be too big for him. I think he'll be, you know, be cool and calm and in control. It's just going to be a question of can they get enough points on the board. They're probably going to have to score, you know, 24 plus to, to beat the Rams. The Rams will get some points. They're just too good to be held down the whole game. But I, I just got a feeling the Cowboys are winning this one. What do you think, Rippy? It's tough because I think the Cowboys do have a good chance, but I think there's a lot of pressure on the Rams to get it done kind of after last year's disappointment. And they haven't really played very well to close the season. So no. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that defense is still very talented, even though they haven't been very good the last six weeks. I, I kind of like the Rams at home this year. I think it'll be a close game, though. So here are the last five games for L.A., for what it's worth. You said they were playing poorly down the stretch, and you're right. So they went to Detroit, won a game where they kind of they fooled around for a little bit, uh, won that game by 14. They lost at Chicago in a game where they scored six points. They lost at Philly. Then they beat Arizona, who is exceptionally bad, and then struggled with San Francisco, who, despite Nick Mullins being a bright spot, was also quite bad this year. So did not look good in the final five weeks of the season. Uh, especially Jared Goff, with the exception of the the one game in Philly, just not living up to what you thought he was, at least in the middle and beginning part of the season. Um, not the best momentum for L.A. going into this game, for sure. Yeah, and with a week off, and I, I don't know. It's How just does that hard. affect this team? See, I, I think the Saints might run into some rust because they, they took basically two weeks off. Yeah, but so, I mean that happens every year with these one seeds. They're resting guys once they have things locked up. I, but how does that affect LA? Is what I'm asking. Do you think it affects them at all? Especially because no, Sean McVay has never won a playoff game before. He's, I don't think that's that's the problem. I, I think since the Saints game that the Rams lost in New Orleans, they just haven't been the same. They had that ridiculous game on Monday night against the Chiefs, which was a lot of fun to watch. But they have just not played the same. You know, coming into that game against the Saints, they were the best team in football. They were just rolling right along, and then New Orleans just just got them off off of a schedule a little bit, and they've never been able to get back. I think Dallas is a really good shot at this one because of defense. Yeah, are are you seeing this tweet about Stephen A. Smith's playoff quarterbacks list? Yeah, he left Drew Brees out of his top. He five. left Drew Brees out of his top five quarterbacks. It left in the playoffs. There are eight quarterbacks left. He left Drew Brees out. <laughs> and then on air, on air, Max Kellerman was like, hey, man, you left Drew Brees out. And it was just literally kind of like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, what do I, you mean you forgot? I forgot. You do this for a living. He and you acts got, for a living. But, but Let's the, be honest. Yeah, they act yeah, for a right. living. But the thing is, he didn't make the graphic that they put up there. So was there not a single producer, because a show like that has about 12 of them. Nobody at ESPN could say, wait a minute, no Breeze? Really? Ugh. Ugh, unbelievable. The other game <laughs> on Saturday should be a lot of fun. Well, real quick, before we flip to that, one more thing on Dak Prescott. He doesn't have to play particularly well to win this game. All he has to do is play well at the right time, and he did that last week. So let's pretend he wins this game because I, I don't think that the Cowboys need to rush into giving him a big contract. I, I think he's been good. He's been a good NFL quarterback, but when you still have another year of rookie deal on his contract, you don't need to rush into giving him some massive payday that 
quite frankly, hasn't exactly earned. With a win tomorrow, how much does his perception change? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you, like, and, you know, I've talked to some people from Dallas earlier this season. We did an interview uh, with John Machota from the Dallas Morning News, and he said that it's already locked in that, da- that Dak Prescott is the quarterback of the future in Dallas. The big contract is coming. But, yeah, if he can get them to the NFC Championship game, yeah, I mean, it, it changes his perception because he has taken so much heat. And I, I do really believe that that is. That's just part of being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's that that's one of those positions in sports that earns you extra criticism. You, you just it doesn't matter who you are, you know, you're you're going to get it. So he would answer a lot of it by getting them to the uh, to the NFC Championship game for sure. Well, I think you're going to take criticism any time you you show limitations as a passer, right? I mean, I mean, some of it is warranted. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. But at the same time, though, statistically, he's had as good a first three years as anybody in the league. You know, the team has not improved around him since his rookie year. His, his the best team they've had in this past three seasons were his was his first team, and they've just they haven't, despite having him and Ezekiel Elliott one two in the rookie of the year running, they didn't you know go out and just like like we've got these two potential foundation blocks here. Let's build a, a, a power team around them. They've let guys go. They you know they haven't brought in comparable talent and and you know they just sort of defensively they've been good, but offensively you know they they struggled to bring guys in. They didn't you know they didn't replace Des Bryant. They didn't replace Jason Witten. And, and you know, until until they got Amari Cooper in there, and no 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 coincidence that when Amari Cooper showed up, the offense started moving again. And New Orleans did the exact opposite. They have a bunch of right. guys on rookie deals and have built teams or built a team around those guys. Yes, Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame quarterback, but uh, they found a guy that didn't require a massive contract. He, he What is he, like the eighth or ninth highest paid quarterback in the NFL? So a team-friendly contract and a bunch of really good players on rookie deals. And then they went out and signed Demario Davis. And they went out and signed Eli Apple. And they're building a team around a bunch of team-friendly contracts that they have right now, the exact opposite of what Dallas did. And that's why the two teams are sitting where they are right now, despite playing on the same playoff weekend. On that note, we will get into the Saints next. We'll we'll do Saints-Eagles, we'll look at Colts-Chiefs and Chargers-Patriots. I mean, if you want to talk compelling matchups, you've got them in the NFL this weekend. We'll continue breaking those down next. It's uh, Sports Talk Mississippi. Borky and the Bryans with you this afternoon live in the Renaissance Bank studio. I met her in a club down in Old Soho where you drink champagne and it tastes like Coca-Cola, C-O-L-A Cola. Rolling along on this Friday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. How fun is this Colts-Chiefs game going to be to kick off the playoff weekend tomorrow at 3 o'clock? Should be good. It should be a good game. I mean, two good offenses, two good quarterbacks. Uh, Arrowhead Stadium, for me, for my money, is the is the most college-like atmosphere in the NFL, that fan base, it feels more like you're watching a game at LSU or at Auburn or Georgia or something than you're watching an NFL game. Their fans are really into it. So, and for Mahomes, you know, here we go. The start of his legacy, you know, you're probably going to end up being the MVP. So, 
Time to win a home game. You want to talk about pressure on a team? The Chiefs really can't lose this game. Right. Oh, but they can. I know what you I know oh, what you mean, yeah, but yeah. oh, they definitely can. Wouldn't you have almost rather faced the Texans? Like, yeah. Yep. I, like if 100% I were the Chiefs, yes. I don't want any part of Andrew Luck coming into my building. Especially with their secondary the way it is. They're really good defensively, especially up front. The back end has given up a lot of yards and a lot of points. I can't well, I figure mean, out how that game goes, too. I've like kind of gone through it in my head a couple times, and I, like, honestly, nothing would surprise me. No real outcome would surprise me in this game. Right. I, I think the Chiefs will win, but it'll be it'll be more interesting than it needs to be. Uh, Andrew Luck. I mean, we we were all thinking that Luck was going to be the next guy, you know, before he got hurt. You know, but they were he was the guy who was going to you know take over for Brady and Breeze when when their time, you know, finally came to an end. Then he got hurt, and we all sort of just sort of put him on the back burner. And now he's back, and he's healthy, and you know that team is playing really well. They talk about we talked about Ole Miss playing with house money earlier. There is no team left in the playoffs playing with more house money, in my opinion, than the uh, than the the Indianapolis Colts. Makes them pretty scary, huh? Right, right. They've got, if I'm not mistaken, nine draft picks in an abundance of cap space this offseason, too. Yeah. Yeah, that franchise should be, should, because you never know, but should be getting back to the days it, it had under Peyton Manning. Don't know if they win a world championship, but they should be a consistent force in the NFL, in the AFC uh, going forward. All right, let's turn the page. We'll, we'll flip it over to Sunday, and we'll, let's start with the Saints. Hey, Dad and I have rooting interest in this game, obviously, but looking at it from the outside in, it's an eight-point line from Vegas, I think. This is a game that the Saints should win. Despite what people in Philadelphia are saying today, the Saints have the better roster, the better quarterback, and they're at home. Really no excuses to lose this game, right? Yeah, again, you know, you say that, but this is the defending Super Bowl champion. They're going to play with pride, uh, and, and you beat them so badly a few weeks ago. That I mean, They're going to remember that, so... Yeah, this is the NFL playoffs, man. You say there's no excuse or, or whatever. All of these teams are good. No excuse. You're saying no excuse. No excuse for losing this game if you're Sean All Payton right. and the Saints. All right. I mean, I, I think they're going to win. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, you know, I'm just saying that stranger things in the world have happened than the the Eagles coming to New Orleans and winning. I just don't think they can score. That's the thing. I, I just I don't think Philly can score enough to win this game. Well, that's going to be the problem. Nick falls out at your own risk, man. <laughs> I know I shouldn't do that. He's proven uh, that it's a really bad thing to do. But here's a stat for you. So Jim Schwartz, used to be the coach um, in Detroit, is now the defensive coordinator for Philadelphia. The last four times that a Sean Payton coach team has faced off against a Jim Schwartz coached defense, here's how it went. They scored 45 points back in September of 2009 in a dominating win. They scored 31 points in December of 2011 in a dominating win. And 2012 in the playoffs, if you remember, 45 points in a dominating win. And then earlier this year, 48 points and another dominating win. Sean Payton, for whatever it's worth, has completely owned Jim Schwartz coach defenses so far in his career. That's, it's an odd coincidence, right? I mean, Schwartz is a pretty good defensive coordinator, but for whatever reason, 
you know, Peyton has just had his number. And, and I don't see why it would be different this time around. Uh, th- this is why, you know, if you want to be confident in the Saints, it's just what you just said. The Saints are going to get some points. I don't know if the Eagles can, can go score for score for them. they got to find a way to hold New Orleans to field goals and, and find some touchdowns themselves. And they're going to need some turnovers, which Drew Brees has not shown a propensity for, which Marvin – I'm sorry, Marvin. Yeah, there, there's one guy now. I've, I've combined them. Marvin – Marvin in Mara. Just, just – yeah, there we go. Uh, they don't turn. They, they haven't turned the ball over much this year either. So, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't see the path to victory for the Philadelphia. But at the same time, I know that it's there. I know that there 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 are things that can go wrong, and New Orleans could could find themselves in, in a dogfight late in the game. Any thoughts, Rippy? Doesn't this feel like a game? Where the Saints need, and I'm not breaking any news here, and this sounds cliche, but the Saints really need to start quickly, right? Like the longer you let Philadelphia right. kind of hang around in this thing, the the more real it becomes. Because, like, I watch the game that comes to mind. You talked about the Eagles' path to victory. The game that comes to mind. I know the Saints were on the road, and they won this game. But that Monday night game in Carolina, where the offense was so stagnant, and a really bad Panthers team just kind of kept hanging around. Like yeah. they, they they need to be much more crisp offensively. Oh yeah, right. Because that's yeah. the way the Eagles stay get up fourteen nothing right? and 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 yeah. Anytime you play the underdog, you want to get out on them early. You don't want you don't want to get them thinking that they can do it. So if you're, if you're you know New Orleans and you get out fourteen nothing, the Eagles are immediately going to revert back to what happened to them earlier this season. Like oh here we go again. Whereas if if you know at the end of the first quarter if it's seven to three Philadelphia. That's when they start thinking, okay, we can do this. Yeah, and they were so banged up offensively down the stretch. You mentioned that, I mean, L.A. has not played well down the stretch. Either have the Saints, at least offensively. Their defense has been very good for the back half of the season, really after they signed Eli Apple, opened up some things that they could do in their secondary, playing a lot more men and getting after the passer. But offensively, they've been really bad for the last few weeks. For the first time in a while, there is not an offensive lineman listed on the injury report. They've been without their anchor left tackle, Teron Armstead. He's back. Not even on the injury report, not questionable, not doubtful. Full go, as is the entire roster. But that offensive line was so banged up. I mean, playing, like Will Clapp got some playing time, which when they drafted him, nobody expected him to make the roster. And they were relying on him to take meaningful snaps because they were so banged up. That is, is the biggest key. They were poor down the stretch. But they were really, really, really unhealthy down the stretch yeah. up front. And now they've got everybody back back to full strength. That should help a lot, especially in a game like this. And right. I mean, flips- you've got, you got the offense working again, hopefully, and then the defense has found its way here in these, fat, these past few weeks. This should be full strength New Orleans on Sunday. On the flip side of that, I keep feeling like I'm making the Eagles case here. I, I think the Saints are going to win, and I think it will be – relatively easy but I think people like when the Eagles struggled in the middle of the year I think people discounted their defense they were really banged up particularly in the secondary and couldn't really stop anybody and like you kind of forget from last year that's a really good defense when they have all their bodies there and it showed last week definitely and like you said I mean it's Nick Foles who doesn't know how to lose in the playoffs apparently and the the reigning Super Bowl champion so it's not like they're going to come in wide-eyed at a, at a loud atmosphere. It's, right. it's nothing new to them. Uh, one more game on the docket this weekend, and one that, from a storyline perspective, I don't think the quality of play is going to be any good. But if you're, if you're talking storylines, Rivers versus Brady, Patriots and Chargers on Sunday afternoon should be 
I mean, at least compelling football. I don't know about how good the game's going to be. Is Phillip Rivers the best quarterback in the NFL to have never won the Super Bowl? Without a doubt. Yep. I mean, I'm, I trying, to, I'm trying to think, is there anybody that's even close? Marino? Well, I'm talking about right now. Oh, right now, absolutely. All, oh, all gosh, time. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, just right now. I mean, Without I a doubt. I can't think of anybody who would be even close to him, yeah. I mean, I second mean, place in that debate might be Matt Stafford, for God's sakes. Or, or Luck, but he's he's too young yeah, to probably qualify young, for this though, yeah. conversation, right? Cam Newton, maybe, I don't know. What's interesting about this game is, is like the Chargers have such a better roster and much more talent. But what's interesting, like, doesn't it feel like if the Chargers do go in there and win, this is actually finally the end of New England, if that happens? It kind of does feel that way. And so that could all come crashing down in one weekend. I don't necessarily think it will because it's Foxborough in the cold. They've had a week off divisional round, you know, early Sunday game, you know, having to go across country if you're the Chargers. But really, if the Chargers win this thing, I mean, that's probably it, right? In yeah. Foxborough. And for what it's worth, in, in cold weather playoff games, Phillip Rivers is four and three. So the, the weather has not. Uh, affected he and his team's ability to to be effective in the playoffs because four and three for a playoff number is is good enough for it to not be an outlier i'm excited for this one i don't even know why well i do know why but to borky's point the level of play not that great but it's just kind of the storyline i want i want to see philip rivers beat brady i want to see the patriots dynasty whatever you want to call it end this weekend because I'm with you. I think it blows up when they lose the game. When? If they lose the game on Sunday. I think it blows up. Other people in that that side of the league have caught up. On this day in 1973, it's a baseball one. We'll probably debate this for a little while. And that's coming your way next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. If you're just joining us or haven't been with us for very long, earlier in the show we kind of organically came up with Dad Joke Friday and, and a bunch of you texted in. Gosh, we got a couple hundred texts, it looks like, sending us your dad jokes. And we're glad you did. Glad you were, uh, were a part of the show this afternoon. And you can be too. 601-879-4395. Going to read a couple more before we get back to sports. Somebody requested, we stopped for a while, and then we got a few of you that have asked us to continue reading them for the rest of the show. So uh, here's a couple. This one is courtesy of Lee and Starkville's son. This kid asked, or he asked his son, who's playing at halftime? His son said, imagine dragons. And he responded with, I couldn't imagine dragging myself to their concert." You know, there's a much more politically incorrect Imagine Dragons meme, but we won't talk about that. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to do that. No. Then we get uh, another one from a 601 that said, Why did Christopher Robin have to wash his hands? Because he was playing with poo. Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> Gross. Uh, okay, so this is something, we used to do this a lot, and we haven't done many lately, so I'm glad to bring you one today. On this day. On this day in sports in 1973, the American League adopted the designator, designated hitter rule. The designator. We can just call it that and shorten it up. The designated hitter rule. 
It was uh, an idea that was raised in 1906, as it turns out. Didn't get implemented until 73. They tried it in the minor leagues and some exhibition games, and it took until 73 for them to actually implement the designated hitter in the American League in professional baseball. And so ever since then, I still think it it is talked about largely to this day, should Major League Baseball designate across the board designated hitters? Or should do you think that pitchers, pitchers should hit? I'm going to let Rippy go first because he's the MLB guy. There was a guy this summer. The Reds had a relief pitcher named Michael Lorenzen. And this is a relief guy. Like, he would eat up the middle innings. He hit three home runs in a week. He hit a grand slam and a solo shot in back-to-back days against the Cubs and then went to Atlanta two days later and hit one at Turner Field. And it was incredibly entertaining. Like, the, the ballpark went nuts. Like, people loved it. And he was such a good hitter that they started using him in pinch hit situations. So I actually kind of, I don't necessarily, I don't, I'm not one of those people that hates the designated hitter, but I think it's entertaining, particularly when you get a pitcher that can hit what managers do with them. And particularly with a guy like this, like they toyed with experimenting with him in center field and other things, and he was legitimately a viable bench option late in games as a middle reliever. So I found that kind of storyline to be really compelling. And, you know, he's not the only one. There's a couple other guys that are really good hitters. And so I kind of like it. So I am for pitchers hitting, but I'm not someone that, like, like I'm not one of those old traditionalists that thinks the designated hitter is, like, bad for baseball, if that makes sense. As a Giants fan... You know, Madison Bumgarner is maybe the best hitting pitcher in baseball. I mean, he he can hit the ball out of the ballpark, and the Giants have used him in pitch hit situations before. So again, yeah, I'm I'm with Rippy. I'm I'm a fan of it. I like letting the pitchers hit. I think it adds an element of strategy to the game that you don't get when you have the DH. You know, when you have to make double switches and things of that nature. Uh, but at the same time, again, I, even though I am old and I am cranky, I am not going to uh, rail against the DH as as you know something that has you know spoiled the purity of, of baseball by any stretch of the imagination. Braxton and Laurel says he thinks it's what makes each league unique. Keep the DH in the AL and pitchers in the NL. I, See, he he. I like that point because I think the main thing that bothers people is that there's no uniform policy in each league. But right. I think that I kind of like it. I kind of like, like making each league unique in that sense. And, and I'm against you. I think that they should pick one. Either have the pitchers hit or have them not hit at all unless they're good at it and you want them to be your DH. I, to me, as not a baseball purist, admittedly I'm not. I am a, a casual baseball fan. I don't have a team. I don't watch baseball every night in the summer. Quite frankly, Major League Baseball largely bores me. I would rather watch football or basketball or most anything else. I, I am not a professional baseball purist. When college baseball comes in Mississippi, I'm obsessed. I love it here. It's a little bit different, though. I think the pitchers that have no business holding a bat and being at the plate is kind of like having your kicker run an offensive series in a game. It's a waste of an at-bat to me. It's a waste of my time, and it's boring. If a pitcher gets a chopper little base hit and everybody gets excited, I don't think that's good. Either make them all hit, and so they'll learn how to hit and become assets, or just save us the 10 minutes where a pitcher throws a 95-mile-an-hour slider that 
the pitcher at the plate has, I mean, he has no idea where the ball is, can't hit it. He looks like an idiot trying to swing the bat. I can't stand watching it because it's like forcing your kicker to go play quarterback. That's fair. But if you got to throw a pitcher a slider, he's probably a pretty good hitter. Yeah. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Uh, we'll continue on this next. Uh, I will pose this question to you, Texas, 601-879-4395. Outside of the DH, give us your opinions on the DH, but outside of that, one rule in sports that you could change, what would it be? We'll talk about those next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Five o'clock hour on this Friday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Those first two hours went by really fast. I'm having a good time this afternoon. I hope uh, all of you listening all across the state of Mississippi are, are doing the same. From Dad Joke Friday and talk some NFL playoffs and I don't know. It's been a really fun show, really fun two hours, and hopefully we can keep this momentum going for the last hour of the show. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Richard's off today. I'm Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. We posed the question before the break, and we'll continue on this road now. On this day in 1973, the designated hitter was implemented in the American League and Major League Baseball. If you had a chance to change one rule, whether it's a penalty or overtime rules, whatever, one rule in sports, what would that that rule change be? We'll start with you guys, and then we'll get to the text. And you can text us, 601-879-4395. What rule in sports, one rule, would you like to see change? Text us on the ceasefire text line. Guys, go ahead. I got two. I want to change the uh, fumble out of the end zone as a touchback because that rule is ridiculous. One of, if not the dumbest rule in sports. And I want to change in college basketball the alternating possession arrow. So if if you have a tie ball, we're going we're going to jump ball. We're not. It's not just okay. They had it last, so the alternating possession arrow is out. Hey, Dad, stole my first one, but I think that's a pretty universal one. The 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 fumble touchback is probably the worst rule in sports. Help me out. Why is that even the case? Because if you fumble anywhere else on the field and the ball goes forward and out of bounds, it goes back to the spot of the fumble. So why is it different in the end zone? What changes about the the goal line that makes that rule enforced differently? What was the purpose of making the rule to begin with? Do you guys have any idea? No. Do you think... I I can't imagine. This is purely a guess. But do you think way back when, whenever... I don't know when this rule was instituted. I'm just going to assume that it was like one of the... probably been there for a while. Yeah, like leatherhead days. Do you think it was to discourage reaching toward the end zone? Like with the football? I don't know why Like you would want to discourage that. But like that's really the only thing I can think of. Because... Like you said, it's the only place on the field where it's penalized more than another penal- than, than a normal fumble out of bounds. So, like, I guess maybe to discourage the practice of if one of your players is in the end zone, you don't air quotes fumble it in their direction. But you that can do that on sense. the field of play, though. Yeah. I, so, I, I mean, I, what's the difference? There, there's no reasonable explanation as to why that's the rule. The other it, one it, it I had just, was uh, 
Oh, go ahead. Hey, Dad, sorry. No, no, you're done. No, you're good. You're good. Go. The other one I had was just to change college hoops to quarters because ah, men's yeah. college hoops is now the only level. I mean, it's really it's the only level of basketball in the world where it's two halves. And I think Borky actually said something about this during the Ole Miss-Auburn game the other night. But it creates something to where if a team picks up a number of fouls in the first six, seven minutes, last 12 minutes of the game, every time a whistle blows, you're headed to the free throw line. And there's just no flow to the game. And I think you saw that in the second half of Ole Miss-Auburn the other night to a degree. And so it doesn't make a ton of sense because, like I said, every other level and governing body of basketball plays four quarters except men's college hoops. Yeah, I I tweeted that watching that game the other night. I said college basketball needs to go to quarters because I would rather watch shuffleboard than 10 minutes of bonus free throws. Yeah. Because that game could have been – it's still, I mean, it was good for Ole Miss. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you love the heck out of that game. But if you're just sitting back and just watching basketball, every time the whistle blows, which in the SEC, it's almost every trip down the floor, you're shooting free throws. What could have been a really fun game, because you had you had guys on offense for Ole Miss that were just scoring at will and, and playing at a fast pace, and Auburn is one of the better free th- three-point shooting teams in the country that could have been a really fun back and forth. Instead, it was whistle and shots and stop play and whistle and shots and stop play. And it ruins games in college basketball where all they have to do is just cut the halves in half, play 10-minute quarters, and be done with it. But that requires intellect and reason, and nobody in the NCAA or rules-making has either of those things. No about, fighting in playoff hockey's lame. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, that's lame. What about, you know, you talk about officiating, making officials available to the media the same way coaches and players are. It, I mean, if you if you blow a call, you should have to sit up there the same way a guy who misses a big shot or a coach who makes a, a mistake. You should have to sit up there and, and let me and, and, or Rippy or whoever ask you, so what happened there? Hey, Dad, that irks me to no end. A, a 19-year-old kid, because most of the time, if you're 19, you're still a kid, can throw an interception in a huge game. And if he plays for a place like Alabama or Ohio State, there's two dozen reporters with cameras and microphones in his face 20 minutes after he throws the interception. Why did that happen? What did you see? How do you feel? Why did that happen? But the adult man that misses a call, a blatant call, gets to get a police escort in one of those protected vans and bolts out of the stadium out of town before anybody can even figure out where they are. Right, I think that practice is it's it's awful. The adult man who makes a bad call should have the same media presence and opportunity as the 19 year old kid that makes a bad play on a field. I agree. I'll take it. A, I'll tweak it a little bit because see, I think part of that is a safety issue with some you know there's some wackos out there and like the ref is not on a team and so like. There's no allegiances there. How about just somebody like like a somebody from the referees like governing body having to answer for it? Sure, it, somebody. Somebody needs to answer for for poorly officiated calls. If the kid has to answer the questions, the ref should have to answer the questions too. I mean, we I treat don't disagree we, with you. we treat these college kids like they're they're robots. You know, I mean, think about your life at 19 years old, and the things that bothered you at 19 years old. Your girlfriend broke up with you and it was the worst thing in the world, right? It just 
making a play in a game where there's 100,000 people in the stadium, everybody on your campus, your peers, pour their whole lives into it, a million, four million people are watching on television, and then you get the camera stuck in your face and the microphone stuck in your face. But the, the, the guy in the same situation doesn't have to. I hate the principle. It kills me. But it is what it is on that. I mean, yeah, it, is, it doesn't make any sense. You know, they should have to. I, I, I mean, I, I disagree with Ripley a little bit. I think the official. I mean, I understand that there's you know crazy people in the world, but there, there, you know, security can be provided. I, I, to my knowledge, in my my time of covering Mississippi State, only once, and I know it's, it sounds weird, but only once has a fan gotten back there. I think it happened at Ole Miss too, uh, for one game. Houston where a fan nuts somehow, daughters uh, went into a press I, conference I and with, asked a question about negative Nancys. So what wasn't there? Wasn't there at one of Freeze's games? I think it was Tennessee. Somebody got back there and they were clearly intoxicated and asking some questions here and there. I have no I, idea. I think that happened. And then at state, you know, you had uh, the guy, after Mullet after the fifteen egg ball, the guy guy in overalls said he was from Channel Seven News or whatever, asking Dan Mullet, "You gonna stay here and build this program?" Uh, which is an all time great moment. But yeah, you can provide enough security to get back to my point. Uh, to, to, to get those officials in there, have them answer the questions, and then go on about their way. bunch of your texts have come in. We will get to those uh, after the break. We're up on a hard break here. Um, so we'll get to those in a second. Another one that I would like to see changed is the catch rule in college. What, I, this is going to blow my mind that I'm even saying this. The NFL got it right. Yeah. Change the college rule. Use the exact same wording as the NFL. If you have possession of the ball and make any kind of football move or had time to do so, it's a catch. End of story. There's still room for interpretation in college. Eliminate that. Take the NFL's exact language on what is a catch and what is not and put that in the college game because we had, especially, I mean, Ole Miss fans remember the A.J. Brown thing, but we had some of that in bowl season where things were ruled not catches even though they probably should have been and there was a lot of confusion, eliminate it, go to the NFL rule and be done with it. We talked about this the other day, but I like the baseball extra innings where you put a guy on second base. That would speed up the pace of the game. Because, like, who actually wants to watch those 16, 17-inning games that last six hours? Lyra, the 500 people that stay that would never miss a pitch of their favorite team no matter what. Other than that, nobody. The backup right fielder is throwing 78-mile-an-hour fastballs at one point in those games. A lot of text coming in. If you could change one rule in sports, what would that rule be? We'll grade some coaching hires. We'll give our picks for the NFL games this weekend and give our final thoughts on Ole Miss and Mississippi State basketball coming up tomorrow. It's Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Continuing on on Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. We pose the question because on this day in 1973, the designated hitter was implemented in the American League and Major League Baseball. If you could change one rule in sports, what would that rule be? A lot of you have chimed in, and uh, we'll get to all of those right now. Dwayne in the Delta says, not a change, but I'd implement a rule in the NFL that I shouldn't have to take out a second mortgage to be able to afford tickets to a game. Yeah, Dwayne, I was looking for Saints playoff tickets today. And the the prices have gone down, actually. But the get-in price, without fees, which 
fees would basically be a third ticket were $155 in like behind the end zone, almost at the very back of the stadium. And I, I just I can't drop $350 on football tickets. I love the Saints, but I'd, I'd rather sit on my couch than spend 350 bucks on tickets. So I feel you on that one. That's a lot of money. I, I, a buddy of mine got an email from the Saints about renting a suite for this weekend. Holds uh, <laughs> Holds 40 people. And it's only cost you a cool thirty k. That's not as much as I expected. So I mean, if you can get what 40 is that guys, like eight hundred and fifty you know? bucks a person? Yeah, take? yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's food and booze too. So I mean, you probably you might end up making a little money on that deal, but you got to find forty guys to to you know get max value. Brian in Clarksdale says, "Bring back kickoff returns. It seems like a thing of the past. Fair catch on a kickoff is sissy." Yeah, I. Kickoff used to be a big deal in football, right? I mean, you know, got to got to be there for kickoff, and it used to be the most exciting play in the game. But they are trying to legislate the kickoff out of the game without actually taking the play out of the game. It's widely considered the most dangerous play in football, and you've got this concerted effort to be in in, effort, in player safety. And I don't think they will ever change kickoffs to make them more frequent. They will move the lineup. They'll implement fair catches. They'll do whatever it takes to basically eliminate that play out of the game. I agree. It's it's totally a player safety issue, but it has much. It's sort of like the designated hitter. It's taking some strategy out of the game. Everybody just you know this fair catch just goes out the back of the end zone. You know, and players like Devin Hester and and. Guys like that, you know, exciting players who made their their money returning kicks are just sort of meh. Get a text from the six six two, the restrictor plate racing. Either of you guys are, are NASCAR fans? No, I'm not. I don't I, know the I, first thing about NASCAR. Yeah, I I know I know a, enough gas about it, but <laughs> <laughs> you put gas <laughs> You want I wanna go fast. I know that if you ain't first, you're last. Uh, I have been to a NASCAR race. I'll tell you what. I, I don't enjoy watching them on TV, and I hope I'm not offending anybody by saying that. It, it's just not my thing. You know, it, to each their own. Being at a NASCAR race is an absolute blast. It's entirely oh, yeah. different from watching on TV. Being there is incredible. I can't watch it on TV. Ryan says ties in the NFL should be a winner and a loser. I agree with that. That's a good one. We get uh, a similar text from Scotty, or uh, a tweet, actually, to Sports Talk Miss. There's two ways you can be a part of the show. You can text us, 601-879-4395 on the ceasefire text line, or you can tweet at us, at Sports Talk Miss. Scotty says, change the NFL OT. He would actually like to see it uh, become college rules. At least eliminate the tie somehow. Speaking of the college overtime, I got a rule we need to change. We can stop telling everybody what the rules are. Yeah, I think it's we been, know by now. <laughs> it's been almost 30 years. But we still explain, so a touchdown is when you go into the end zone. I don't need it. I know how the college overtime works. I don't need the rules anymore. Stop. Cal in Louisville says he, he wants a baseball rule change. Fastballs only after nine innings. A home run derby after ten innings. Fastballs only. I like that. <laughs> how do you? That's funny, but like, how would you, how would you police fastballs only? Like, what do you do if the guy flips over a curveball? Like, do you do you bean him? Call like, it a what, ball. what happens here? It's, yeah. a, it's a ball, it. no matter what. 
You called him. Oh, okay, that's fair. I was gonna say throw the ball back at him. I... <laughs> <laughs> Just peg him. I don't think our guy Jeremy liked the uh, the proton neuron electron joke because he said in response to that, if you're just joining us, we had Dad Joke Friday. Uh, it was a lot of fun Did earlier somebody in the well show. somebody will actually our joke? No, he didn't well actually it. He said this. He said the world is made up of protons, neutrons, electrons, and morons. That's that's a true statement, actually. Uh, a text from the 662, move the extra point attempt back to about the 30. Yeah, I would love to see college move the extra points back to the NFL distance. At that point, there will be no more extra points. Maybe two or three teams. Alabama would, would miss every extra point they took. Tim and McGee says he doesn't like the, the fact that quarterbacks are so protected. He said one of the highest paid athletes on the field needs to be hit, especially with the RPOs now entering the NFL. Yeah, they're a football player too. I understand the element of protecting them, but with when you're tackling somebody, it is hard not to... Put your body weight on them if, if you're tackling them at full speed. And this idea, and they haven't enforced it as strongly as they hinted at going into the season, but the fact that a player can get penalized for tackling a ball carrier and landing on him is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I don't care if you've got $30 million invested in that player this year. That's the game. That's what the game is. You get a guy down by tackling him, and sometimes that requires your body weight to land on him. The fact that that is even in the rules to be a penalty, although it is loosely enforced, is so stupid. They've got to find a way to do... They've got to have varying degrees of targeting. So the way they used to do with face masks, the 5-yard, 15-yard thing, that needs to happen. It would be a way to go. We get a text to... I assume this is an Ole Miss fan. Abolish cowbells or let everybody have artificial noisemakers in the SEC. Let everybody have them. What do I care? Hey, I, I'm fine it. with that too. Bring it. Well, hold on. Uh, I don't hold know on. if you want. I don't hey, know if you want. Cowboys yeah, I don't know if you want when you when you stomp on a uh, a metal stand, that is artificial noise. So it's already happening. Let's go. Br- bring whatever you want. Bring a hammer and, and, and a big <laughs> piece of metal and just wail on it. I don't care. John in Oxford says he would like to see them change or at least enhance the targeting rule. When the offensive player lowers his head, he he brings up that we mentioned the Trevor Lawrence play where the Alabama player, people were fired up that he wasn't called for targeting when in reality he sized up his target, he committed to his target, and his target lowered his head and forced the helmet-to-helmet contact. If a defender can't lower his head, the ball carrier in John and Oxford's mind should not be allowed to either. There is an element of protecting themselves, but when they lower their head to initiate contact... I agree. If you're going to call it on the defender, call it on the offense too. I saw. I forget what what bowl game I was watching. They called a running back for a face mask. And he just he had a stiff arm and he was working that defender. And I, yeah, let's do it. I do agree with that because it it sucks when when defensive players, particularly in college, get tossed out of the game because they granted they probably shouldn't go head first, but when the when the offensive ball carrier lowers his head into the guy too, like to me that's a two way street. Like yeah. toss them both or leave them both in. I think ejecting someone for that is ridiculous in the first place. That's another one I'd like to get changed. Make targeting a fifteen yard penalty and maybe if you get two you get tossed. But like 
taking someone out of the game for like a bang bang play like that, I think is ridiculous. Yeah. So sort of like a like soccer does with yellow cards, yellow card, red card. If you get a second yellow card, you're out. Sure, that you would make more sense, targeting, right? You're out. Yeah, <laughs> well, like they do. That. They already do that with personal fouls. Okay. You know, remember, remember, think about think about the egg bowl where they, oh, yeah. everybody got a personal foul after the fight. Willie Gay was ejected because he had a personal foul earlier in the game. Kegs I think Oxford. everyone in the oh, press sorry. box got a personal foul too. Me you got, got one. Got you deserved yeah. it. <laughs> Up there, start inciting a riot. Kegs in Oxford says NASCAR and hockey are the top two with the biggest differences between watching on TV and on site. Yes, if you if you get the chance to go to an NHL game and you don't like hockey, trust me, go. You will have a blast. It's not yeah. fun to watch on TV. You don't even have to like the sport. It's a blast to watch live hockey in person. That's a good point there. Dan and Charleston, all levels of football make overtimes sudden death. Yeah, eliminating the tie, um, I think, needs to be done in the NFL. The fact that the highest form of football has ties where none of the other ones do is a travesty. Get one that from the 601 that says intentional grounding should be called on a spiked ball to stop the clock. Puts a question mark there, so he's not fully committed to that just yet. Have to chew on that one for a second. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Tim in Columbia just wants something to be done to speed up the game of baseball. I think a pitch clock would be perfect. From one pitch to the next, you got 30 seconds. Do it in college. Do it in the majors as well. We'll continue on with this. A lot of your text coming in. We'll also give you our final thoughts on Ole Miss and Mississippi State basketball tomorrow. Finally, the game means something. And our parting parting shots for the weekend at Sports Talk Mississippi, live in the Renaissance Bank studio. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Oh, when the Saints go marching in. Oh, when the Saints go marching in. Had to put that in there one time, didn't I? Absolutely. Even though that's the second time I've played this today. First one was earlier in the show. Nobody remembers that anyway, right? Refuse to shine. Oh, when the sun. A few more of your texts. What rule in sports would you change, inspired by the fact that today, on today in 1973, the American League implemented the designated hitter? A text from the 662 says, eliminate five foul disqualification in college basketball. Agree there. If you're going to call the college game the way they do, especially in the SEC, it's abysmal, but go to six. Five fouls in a 40-minute game should not disqualify you from the game. They go by eight-minute segments, though, right? Like, that's kind of how they divvy it up, one per eight minutes. Because, like, the NBA 48-minute game, six fouls. Yeah, but if you're going to call the college game a lot tighter. And in the gameplay, the quality of play is not as good. So you got guys that are a little bit sloppier, that aren't as sound defenders, and you're calling these little ticky-tack fouls on these kids. I think you should give them the extra foul. Just like in the NFL, when you catch a ball out of bounds, you've got to get two feet down. In college, there's leeway because they're not as good for one. Do the same thing here. 
the defenders, the, the quality of play is not as good. So give them the extra foul in the college game. I don't I disagree like with you. I don't disagree with you. John from Hurley says, fix the Major League Baseball schedule. Play your division rivals more than the rest of the league. Well, you play everyone in your division more than the rest of the league 18 times. Have we brought up interleague play? I'm not a fan. It's too much now, especially when you have uh, teams starting the season in interleague play. Like interleague play should be reserved for maybe a couple weekends a year, and it should be reserved for you know Yankees, Mets, White Sox, Cubs, Giants, A's, things of that nature. You know, start when you're starting the season with Twins and uh, and Marlins. I mean, nobody cares. There's nothing. There's nothing exciting about that. There's no point in that. They assign them, but they pair the divisions up per year now on a well, rotation. I'm saying they shouldn't. They should not do that. They should just pair up your your your. If you have a, a, a natural rival in the other league, play that. And they can cut sixty games out of the schedule and make the season more interesting. Oh well, I mean, I don't know if I want to do that. Spoken or not. like a non-purist over here, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of non-purist, you guys are going to hate this and. We appreciate you engaging this afternoon, but I think all three of us are going to strongly disagree with this right here from the 662. If you want faster baseball, third strike foul balls should be an out. Nothing worse than a 10 pitch at bat. No. No. Ooh, I strongly disagree with you there. That doesn't work for me. Long at bats are, is one of the few things that are entertaining about baseball because it's a real battle. The I'm scoring not, not, not would go down a lot too if you yeah. did that. Baseball needs I, baseball doesn't need anything, as Richard told us the other day. That it's making more money than it ever has. But for a casual fan like me, if you want to get me back, you'll score more. Well, I think a part a big problem of it is is. They've gone so much to strike out in long ball. Do that, or die in baseball now. Well, like, so from a live viewing perspective, that's pretty cool because you're seeing a lot of home runs and stuff. But in from a, from viewing it on television, there's not enough movement in the game to keep people, keep a television audience engaged. Like, people aren't stealing bases as much anymore. People aren't putting as many balls in play. So it kind of lulls you to sleep on television. I mean, striking out 200 times used to be a big deal. Now people don't bat an eye at that. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. I don't know. I I, th- I know that baseball needs to be to be sped up, but I don't know. I'll tell you another baseball thing that you talk about losing viewers. I mean, we got to stop these 8 o'clock first pitch games out there on the East Coast during the postseason. It's got to stop. I mean, I, I'm sorry that you're going to lose some TV ratings, but it's going to be okay. we got to start these games at 6 o'clock. You know, you can't have baseball games ending at midnight and expect to grow your fan base. You just can't. Tim and Tupelo wants baseball to have cheerleaders. <laughs> Ole Miss does. Oh, Don't they? I, no. That's, I have seen. I, what are you talking about? I have seen those girls on top of the dugout there. Yeah, that, but they, like, throw T-shirts and that's it. It's not an actual... Okay. Yeah, they, like... They're like the ball girls and the bat girls and stuff, and they do other things. They're they are a specific baseball only like support group 
or something like that. I don't think there's any take, pom-poms take your, or anything like that. I'll take your word for it. You need to get a pep, man, uh, pep guy like the, the minor leagues do. Yeah, you can do that. I think in tennis, if you hit the other guy with the ball, you should get the point. Or is that already a rule? That's that's a rule. they got to get it back over. Or you get two points. So force yeah, the but, issue. Make them hit the ball at each other. Like, there needs to be some incentive to, should I get this in the court or should I, like, put it in his ear hole? <laughs> That would make tennis more fun. I, I, I'm i not a sport basher. If you like tennis, man, that's awesome. Like, I can't watch it. Tennis, to me, is more boring than golf because at least in golf, the scenery changes. In tennis, you have the same two camera angles. For three hours, you're watching the same thing. I, I admire people that have the kind of patience to enjoy tennis. I understand they're, they're incredible athletes and the stamina, stamina that it takes for, for them to compete for three hours Mono e mono in tennis is spectacular. Watching tennis is like a jail sentence for me. Wouldn't you figure that's the easiest sport to get burnt out on too? Because, like you said, at least in golf, it's different courses. Most, of the, I mean, most of the time you don't hit the same shot twice and around like different holes. Like, like if I was a tennis player, to me that would get very, very monotonous. And I don't dislike tennis. I'll watch like some of the majors and things like that. But that would seem to me that growing up, like if you're really dedicated to sport, that would be the easiest sport to get burnt out on. Yeah, we do get a text. Somebody says college tennis is fun to watch. I'll take your word for it. That's the beauty of of sports is everybody likes a different thing, right? I, I'm I think baseball is boring. Bores me to death. Rippy loves baseball. He's a purist. I cannot stand tennis. I I honestly, really and truly, would rather watch a children's show like Baby Shark, except for the intro just plays the entire time for three hours, then watch tennis. Well, that's that's your choice. <laughs> Baby this Shark. This is America, so you're welcome to it. Mario Tennis is the bomb somebody texts in. Mario Tennis is fun. Gary Meridian says he wishes the NBA would implement a no-foul-out option. After the sixth foul, the team has the option of leaving the players in the game, but the opposing team, no matter what, will receive bonus free throws. So if he he stays in the game, you get three free throws on every foul, regardless of no, who two. commits it, or just him? Two. You already get two. I, on any foul. Any foul, whether you're, whether you're in the bonus or not, you keep that guy in. I think that's what he's saying. I'm reading it as the way you know, the guys extra free shoot, throws. What about with the way the guys shoot the ball in the league down four-point line? Or at least back up the three-point line. No, because yeah. I'm, I'm not in favor of that, because then you'll have guys jacking up from, from half-court. We don't need that. All right, so They're I, already taking shots from ridiculous distances as it is. I get it. it's literally this reason for this is because of the court dimensions, but does it really make any sense why the NBA corner three is so much shorter than the top of the key? No, it doesn't make any sense. Well, it, that makes no sense to me. It doesn't. I guess it's just because the the target is different. It's it's a more difficult shot, I guess. But for them, not really. I mean, the, the corner three for. 
That's a high. That's almost a high percentage shot these days in the NBA. Do we have time for picks? I think we do. Let's let's run through them quickly. We'll, we'll do uh, we'll do picks right now, and then our parting shots segment. to end the show. <laughs> yeah, but we got to finish with uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State basketball and give our okay. final thoughts on that. So, real quick, Chargers Patriots. I think it's a four point line. Chargers Patriots. Yeah, that's what it says. Uh, give me New England to cover. Chargers money line dynasty ends. Oof. I'll take the four points and go with the Chargers. Colts, Chiefs, give me Andrew Luck with five and a half points on the road. Chiefs will be okay. I'll take the Chiefs. I'm going to reluctantly take the Chiefs. No faith in that. Cowboys, seven-point dog in Los Angeles. Give me Dak, give me that defense, and give me the seven points. Yep. Uh, Rams win the game, but don't cover. Give me Dak at the seven points, too. Saints, eight-point favorite at home facing the Eagles. I tweeted last week that they would win no matter who their opponent was by 14, and I have to stick to it. So give me the Saints minus the points. I'm with you. Nick Foles in the absence of any logic. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.